Tell you what, it's been a, a crazy week, a crazy day, and uh, we got all sorts of stuff going on. I came into the, the little bathroom where I'm at, the mirror shattered. I don't know what happened, the mirror shattered. I go, we got three different boards that aren't working, but, but, but how, how many know that God's in control? How many know that? We're in this Thrive, we're in our second week of, of, of this Thrive series, right, where we're trying to learn how to flourish in a fallen world. Is it just me, or does it seem like the world's kind of fallen? Does it seem like that, right? And so people are asking me, well, Pastor John, you know, what's going to happen? And, you know, how are we supposed to respond? And what are we supposed to do? And all these really good questions. And the only thing I know what I do is to point you to God's word. Here's what, here's what, here's what uh, Jesus said in Luke 8, 17. He said, all that is, and they're not going to have this on the thing because God just gave this to me, but all, all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything concealed will be brought to the light and made known to all. He's the one that said it. You might not trust me, but I know you all trust Jesus, right? And that's not about a person. Don't, don't make this about a person. That's about a people. I don't care uh, what political party you are. This is about a, a wicked people. And God says, I'm going to bring that to light. And he says in Psalm 37, 17, he upholds the righteous, but the power of the wicked will be broken. Amen. We got to trust. We got to stand on that. So what do we do as the church? What do we do? We got to stand firm. And we got to be bold. Let's not be apathetic little wimps. Let's be bold in our faith. Be bold in our faith. Be vocal. Yes, we love people who, who we don't agree with. Yes, God can redeem anybody. But we need to be bold. We need to be firm. And we need to trust that God is doing things behind the scenes that we cannot see. Amen. Well, I want to kind of dispose this lie uh, or debunk the lie of the thrive. There's this, this, this false notion with regard to thriving that thriving only happens in the absence of problems, right? I mean, as long as there's no problems, you can thrive. I mean, you don't hear people say, things are great in the middle of a divorce, you don't hear people say, I got the favor of the Lord in the middle of a cancer diagnosis. You don't hear people say, life is good in the middle of a job loss. And yet, when we read God's word, we see Joseph, he thrived in the middle of Egyptian slavery. We see Gideon, who thrived in the, in the, in the midst of an impossible battle where he was outnumbered 135,000 Midianites. To 300. We see Paul, he thrived in the middle of a Philippian jail after he had been beaten and flogged. He thrived so much that he began to worship with blood dripping off his back. Here's God's plan. It's not that we thrive in the absence of problems. It's that we thrive also in the middle of problems. What's our response to this crazy chaos in our nation? The response is, happens to be the title of my talk today. We got to thrive in the middle. Tell someone to thrive in the middle. Come on, tell them. Tell them with boldness. People are watching online, put that in the chat. Thrive in the middle. Today we're going to look at God's word and we're going to see two people who had some very big problems. And you're going to see them thrive right in the midst of those problems. Mark chapter 5, if you got your Bible. Mark chapter 5. Before we get into God's word, let's, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are so good. You allow us to gather in this free country. We thank you for the brave men and women who have fought 
to give us this right. And we thank you for the church and all those who will fight for our freedom, to continue to preserve it so that we can worship in this great nation. God, we thank you that you are Lord, God of this nation. You do not abandon the people you love. You fight for people who fight for you, God. May we fight. May the church rise up and in unity be one voice that fights for you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how do we thrive in the middle of a problem? First point is we got to maintain posture in the problem. Maintain posture in the problem. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. I want you to look at Jairus' posture here. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, now he's on the west side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter's dying. Sounds like he's in the middle of something. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Posture, posture, posture. I remember uh, in seventh grade, I had this teacher, Mrs. George, and she was really a stickler on posture. That, you, got, you young people don't know anything about this, but remember us older folks, you remember they had those desks, they were all one piece? You know, they're like, they're, they're massive. And, and I would just like, you know, kind of just almost, yeah, it was, like a, it, was like, it was like a lazy boy, you know what I mean? I turned into a lazy boy. And Mrs. George would come around with, with her yardstick and whack right on the desk. And, and if you did it, if you had bad posture too many times, you would get a whack. Don't act like you know what a whack is, young lady. You don't know a whack. Anybody ever get whacked? Yeah. I, so, so, so to illustrate this for these young people who, don't, who grew up in this, you know, Silver Spoons world here, I, mean, I, I happened to purchase, I, I purchased a, a, a paddle, right? Now, just a note to yourself, if you uh, ever want to pick one of these up, don't type in spanking paddle. So anyways, if, if, if you slouch down too much, too many times in one week, you would get a whack. And let me tell you, Mrs. George didn't give the wax. It was Mr. Bornhorst, the big biology teacher, and it, it hurt. And, and here, so here's what I'm saying. This, this is bad posture, right? This is bad posture. This is good posture. Bad posture, good posture. You with me? But here's the funny thing. When it comes to the Christian faith, good posture is actually slouching. Hmm, what does he mean? He means proskuneo. That's the Greek word for, for worship in the Bible, right? It comes from the Greek word uh, proskuneo, which means to bow down, to crouch, or to fall flat. I'm slouching, but not to God. What, where was Jairus at? At his feet. He was slouching. He was proskuneo at the feet of Jesus. He had posture in the midst of his problem. And here's the thing. He was a, he's a synagogue leader. He was, you know, synagogue leaders were kind of, they usually had a lot of money. They were very well known. And, and a lot of them weren't even saved. 
They, they, remember, most of the Jews, they denied Jesus. So he may not have even been saved. And so for him to, to proskuneo, to, to, just to bow at his feet, that's a, that's a big deal. Sometimes we have to lower ourselves to elevate God. And I wonder if God's just helping us do that in this season. What if he's just helping us to lower ourselves? Someone said, sometimes it takes an overwhelming breakdown to have an undeniable breakthrough. Maybe God's just breaking us down to break us through. Not because he doesn't like us, not because he wants to punish us, but because he loves us. And so he, he allows us to have a little bit of a breakdown so that we're desperately dependent on the Messiah, just like Jairus was. He didn't have a plan B. He only had plan A, and that was Jesus. And I think we need to get rid of our plan Bs and just plan on being at Jesus' feet. I want to be honest with you, this week I was in a little bit of a funk. You know, you, you start, you know, sometimes you watch the news too much or you get on social media too much. And let me just say this for, for you who are watching online. If we get deplatformed, right? If this happens, if we get deplatformed, uh, you can go to live, put the graphic up, would you? Live.gatheringchurch.org. You can watch it there. And honestly, it's a better feed, anyways. It's cleaner, it's, it's better video quality and audio quality. So, live at Gathering Church. Dot org. You can find us there if we happen to disappear and suddenly. But you know, so I was just kind of a bit of a funk, you know? I was just kind of like, man, what's, what's going on, God? You know, I just had to, and here, here's what I'm trying to say, is our posture changes our perspective. Our posture, when we change our posture, we change our perspective. And I had to just like shut some of that stuff off. I had to get in God's word. I had to get around some godly people, right? Because when you, when you, when you change your posture, it changes your perspective. It's not that the problem goes away. It's that the problem loses its power over us. It loses its grip. Got to change our posture. And I want to challenge you to do that in your prayer life. So many of us, we pray, we have really bad posture in our prayer life. We pray our problems. Oh, God, my marriage is terrible. My kids are disobedient. The world's full of depravity. God says, I already know that. You're, you're praying the problem. I want you to pray the solution. God, thank you for helping me be a better husband. Help me love my wife like you love the church. God, I thank you for an encounter with my kids so that they don't sponge off mom and dad's faith so their faith becomes their own. They fall in love with you. I pray for this world, God, that revival would start with me and this church and it would spread like a, like a light out to the world. Pray the solution, not the problem. Our posture matters. And you know what? I want to give you a very uncomfortable chance right here, right now, to work on our posture. Churches don't do this. Therein lies the problem. What I, what I want to allow you to do as you're led by the Holy Spirit is uh, I'm gonna have, Gavin's going to come up. We're going we're gonna to just sing a short little chorus. And maybe God is calling you to proskuneo. Maybe it's for your family. Maybe it's for a health situation. Maybe it's for your finances. Or, or maybe it's just for this nation. Or maybe it's just out of obedience because God said to you. I don't know. But maybe you want to just, real quickly, maybe you want to bow to your knees. We're going to sing this. We're going to sing, How Great Is Our God. Five words. I'm not going to put it up on there. If you can't remember five words, we're in trouble. But maybe you just want to come out in the aisle. And you don't have to do this. You're not going to get any bonus points from God. He still loves you, no matter whether you do this or not. But I, I'm tired of playing it safe. I'm tired of being comfortable in my faith. I worshiped so hard today, I had to go back and change my shirt underneath. Thank God I brought an extra one. I, I want to lay it all on the line. 
I don't want to play it safe. I don't want to just go through the motions. And, and listen, I'm not trying to guilt anybody into nothing. If God doesn't speak to you, stay right where you're at. You're not looked down upon. But maybe some of us, we just want to proskuneo. We want to be like Jairus at the feet of the Jesus and say, Jesus, look, man, you're my only plan. And I'm sorry. I repent, God, for, for having other plans, for having other options, and just making you one option amidst many options. God, I, I repent for that. And I just want to worship you and say how great you are. Not in the good times, but in this time, when all hell is breaking loose, God, where perhaps it means the most to you in this time. And so right here, right now, I want to worship you. Whether from your seat, whether from a kneeling position, or whether laying flat on your face. Let's just worship him. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Receive your praise. Let's sing that together. Give him all the praise. How great is our God. See with me how great. most honest things I've ever done in church. You know what I'm saying? Let's not try to play the game. So we're, we maintain posture in the problem and we stay, number two, persistent in the problem. Stay persistent in the problem. Look at verse 24. Story gets really good. So Jesus went with him. He's going to, to, to look at the daughter, right? And a, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. You could say she was in the middle of something. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
Sound familiar? When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, proskuneo, fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. She said, or he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Did you catch what just happened there? I mean, think, think about that. Put yourself in her boat. 12 years, 12 years of doctor visits that failed. 12 years of different kinds of medicines that failed. 12 years of getting her hopes up that finally I'm gonna be healed, only to have those hopes dashed. And now she's broke. She spent all her money. She has no money left. And even worse yet, by Levitical law, she would be deemed, because she was bleeding, she would have been deemed in that culture as unclean, which means you cannot touch her. Not only that, but wherever she sat, wherever she laid down to go to sleep, would be deemed unclean until it was cleaned and had to go through the end of the day. So think about that. She, she can't buy any food because no merchants are going to touch the money that she touched because then they'd be unclean until evening, right? Think about it. No one in her family could touch her because then they'd be unclean. Have you ever gone 12 years without a hug? Think about that. 12, she was a social outcast. She was a social leper. So how is it, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this, that someone who's poor, who's sick, who's treated like a pariah by society, how is it that she would have the persistency and the faith to grab a hold of Jesus. And I guess it just makes me ask the question, what are we supposed to grab a hold of in the midst of our problem? God's saying, be persistent. Maybe some of us, we need to persistently grab a hold of some trust. Right? Trust God that he's doing things behind the scenes that we can't see. And we got to wait and let the story play out because he's in control. We got to grab a hold of some joy. Maybe for some of us, we got to grab a hope, uh, some hope. For some of us, we got to grab a hold of some, some peace. And here's the thing you want to grab a hold of those things? Great. You, you get those by grabbing a hold of Jesus, just like she did. Amen. And, and, and I want you to I wanna say this that the middle of your problem, when you're in the middle, you know what's also going to be there besides Jesus? A whole lot of obstacles. A whole lot of obstacles. And don't think that she didn't have her obstacles. I mean, trying to push her way through that crowd, number one, she's probably physically weak from losing all that blood, right? And so she's probably weak, but she also had to get through that crowd, and the crowd didn't exactly like her because to do that, they had, she had to touch them, right? To get, and so they're mad at her. Oh, here she comes again. The woman with the issue of blood. Get out of here, you know? She had to endure all of that. And I could hear the Pharisees saying, ha-ha! She's making you unclean, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, not. I'm making her clean. <laughs> you can't make Jesus unclean. Good news for you. We can bring our stuff, right? We can bring all of our baggage to, to, to Jesus, and he makes us clean. 
but you have to get through these obstacles. But, but here's, I, w- I want to change our thinking. I, w- I want to have like biblical sight, right? Godly eyes. I want you to, 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 to learn to look at your obstacles as opportunities. Let's see our obstacles as opportunities. In China, it's, uh, there's a big underground movement in Christianity. I don't know if you know about this. Millions and millions and millions of Christians are coming to Christ in this underground movement, but they have a lot of obstacles. So a guy named Wayne, who's a lead pastor uh, of a church on the West Coast, I don't want to say uh, his last name, and I'm not going to say the church's name for obvious reasons. This is being broadcast around the world. And so Wayne would go, and he would go into China, and he would train up these Christian underground pastors, these leaders, right? And so he told this story of, of a time he went into the Hunan province. And he secured this little room high up on, I think, eighth, eighth or ninth floor of a building, a little 700-foot square room. And these 22 Christian underground leaders, these Chinese, came in two by two, because you have to go up the elevator two by two because you don't want to, you can't be caught gathering, right? And so they would go up two by two, two at a time, and they poured in to this 700-square-foot apartment. And uh, they took a 13-hour train ride to get there. should note that. And uh, they, they're sitting on this hard floor. No chairs, no AC. It's, it's humid as could be. So he has three days with them. Eight hours a day for three days. First day he says, so first of all, just what happens if we get caught? One of the Chinese people said, well, you'll be deported within 24 hours and we'll go to prison for three years. Three years? He said, well, how many out of, out of you 22, how many have been to prison. 18 of them raised their hands. 18. So then he uh, handed out his Bibles. He had 15 Bibles. That's all he had. So seven people had to go without Bibles. So he handed out 15 Bibles. And so he said, uh, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. And immediately he sees a girl hand this other Chinese girl the Bible. He said, well, what are you doing? She said, oh, I, I know that chapter. I memorized the whole chapter. The whole chapter? She said, oh yeah, I've memorized many chapters. So she can use the Bible. He said, well, when did you do that? In prison. <laughs> but, but they don't have Bibles in prison. No, 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 we, we, we write it on little pieces of paper. But we have to be very fast because then they take the piece of paper, they catch us with the piece of paper, and they, they take them away. So we have to memorize them. They can't take that away. Huh. So then they get to the end of this whole three-day, you know, eight hours a day in that little room, 700 square feet, with all those folks, right? After the third day, they're getting ready to say goodbye, and, and one of the Chinese leaders comes up, and he says, Pastor Wayne, would you pray that one day we'll be just like you? Pastor Wayne says, no, I cannot pray that. He said, well, why not? He said, well, you rode 13 hours to hear the word of God. In my country, they won't drive more than one hour to hear the word of God. He said, you sat on a hardwood floor for three days. In my country, if you sit for more than 40 minutes, they leave. He said, you came in this hot room for eight hours a day, for three days, with no AC. He said, in my country, if they don't have AC, they don't come back. He said, in the USA, the average family has two Bibles in the home, and we don't read them. He said, here, you have no Bibles, and you memorize them. He said, I will not pray. He said, I will not pray that one day you will be like us, but one day we will be like you. Amen. Amen. That persistent faith. 
But that came through obstacles. That came through obstacles, right? But, but I, and there's one more thing I want to mention before we move on. Do you ever wonder why Jesus stopped to find her? Right? I mean, she touched him. He felt, he felt power leave him. She was healed. She knew it. She was, she was walking away. Why did he stop? Right? I mean, after all, Jairus' daughter is sick and dying. That's kind of an important thing, right? Why did he stop? I'll tell you why. He wanted to look her in the eyes and let her know that she's not invisible. Here's a woman known for her issue of blood. We don't even know her name. When we get to heaven, we're going to meet the woman with the issue of blood. But see, God didn't see a woman with the issue of blood. He saw his daughter. How do I know? Because he called her that. Did you know that that's the only time in the New Testament that Jesus referred to a woman as a daughter? Right here, the woman with the issue of blood. He said, you're not, you, I don't know you by your issue. I know you as daughter. You are loved and you are valued and you are not invisible. Someone needs to hear that today. You think you're invisible. That's for someone today. So we trust, or we stay, uh, we stay persistent in the problem. And lastly, we, we need to trust, and here's the hard part, trust the purpose in the problem. We got to trust the purpose in the problem. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came uh, from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Wow. Your daughter is dead and his world crumbled. Imagine his face. His 12-year-old daughter wasn't going to see her 13-year-old, her 13th birthday. Wasn't gonna, he wasn't going to be able to hug her or hold her while she was alive again. He didn't get to say goodbye. He's probably thinking, I wasted my time trying to come to this, this Jesus, and, and she dies. Some of you feel like something has died in you. Maybe it's a relationship that died. Maybe it's a, a dream. Maybe it's a loved one that died. I want to tell you, the time to try to figure out the purpose of the problem is not while you're in the midst of the problem. In the middle of the problem, we can't always figure out what God's doing and why he's doing it. We can't always discern the purpose. But once we get past it, it's so much easier to look with clear eyes and to look back and say, okay, God, I see what you were doing. I see that you were up to good. I love what Soren Kierkegaard said. He's a Danish theologian. He said, life is lived forward, but only understood backwards. That's true, right? We'll understand it all by and by, the old hymn. There's a day coming we're going to understand it. It might be in this lifetime. It might be when you're through it. But we need to trust that there's purpose in the problem. Verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Someone needs to hear that today. Someone watched it online. Just believe. God wants you to hear it. Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with the people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Koum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. 
Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this time, or at this, they were completely astonished. What was the purpose of that problem? It really wasn't just about the healing. We, we want to make it about, oh, the miracle, wow, which is, which is wow, and that is cool. But what was really, what was it about? I think it was much more about salvation, right? About salvation than just the healing. Like, what did he do to, to the heart of Jairus and to his wife and to that little girl who would have an incredible testimony for the rest of her life? Sometimes things have to die so they can live. She died so that she and her mother and father could live spiritually. John 20, 31 God tells us that the miracles are written in that book that you may believe, the Bible says. Not so that you could say, wow, cool, Jesus, you're pretty awesome. Well, yeah, you are awesome, but you're a savior, not just our healer. And, and I love, there's some, real, I don't have much time left, but let me just tell you, there's some really cool stuff going on in here if you really study this passage. Verse 39, he, he comes in, they're all wailing, right? And he's like, she's sleeping. Right? She's sleeping. And, and, and what do they do? They laugh. How many know you shouldn't laugh at God? I mean, you can laugh with God, but God in Galatians says, I'm not to be mocked. And someone might want to tell Emmanuel Cleaver that he's the uh, United Methodist pastor who prayed for the new Congress and said, Amen and a woman. Now, amen comes from a Hebrew term meaning so be it. It's a, it's a word that belongs to, 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 to God. Amen. You know, we say that out of adoration. We say that out of affection. We say that out of respect. Amen, God. To say amen and a woman, we're taking something that belongs to God and we're mocking it. And, and let me just tell you, when you mock God, Things don't turn out well for you. Let me, when you take things that belong to God and, and mock them, let me, let me tell you a story you may not know. First Samuel 5. The uh, Philistines, they stole the Ark of the Covenant. They took it into their temple and they set it before their God, Dagon. The next day, they walked into the temple and the, their little statue of their God, Dagon, had, well, it was Dagon. It had fallen down. <laughs> it fell down right in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Proscuneo. They, 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 yeah, you can give God praise for that. The next day, they do it again. Like, well, it must have been an accident. So the next day, same thing. Except this time, the arms fell off and the head fell off. So they're like, well, okay, well, then let's get this, this ark out of here. They take the ark out, and people, their people died wherever they took the ark. And here's the icing on the cake, and I love this part, which makes me laugh every time I read it. They, the people who touched the ark in 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 9, in the King James Version, it says... They had emeralds in their secret parts. He gave them hemorrhoids. And so for Mr. Cleaver, in Christian love, I've got you some preparation H. Because God's not to be mocked. 
And I know we're laughing. It's kind of funny, but it's not funny, right? I mean, like, we live in a world that is mocking our God. And God will, ha- will, will give a window of grace, a window of time for people to repent because he's that gracious and that loving. But make no mistake, that window will close and God will come in like a rushy wind and say, enough! Repent. And, and this gets so good, and again, I'm, I'm running out of time, but let me just, let me just point out a couple things left here. In, in verse 40, he says, uh, he put them out. Before performing the miracle, Jesus said to those people who were mocking and laughing, oh, yeah, she's asleep, Jesus is right, get out. He put them out. And not only did he put them out, but I don't know if you caught back in verse 37, he's, he only let some of his disciples come. Peter, James, and John. The rest of them said, no, you got to stay. Oh, that's mean. That's not fair. That's not equality. Well, listen, Jesus knows what he's doing. Okay, you, you all got to stay. I love you. Just doesn't love them anymore. But they weren't ready for that journey. And the people who were laughing and mocking, he said, out. I love you. You're redeemable. And I'm going to die for you. But right now, you're not, you're not ready to handle this. Out. And, and I, what I'm saying is, there's a, there's a spiritual truth that you got to catch. People can pervert your purpose. Who you hang around with matters. Now, the good news is people can promote your purpose. They can see it in you. They can help call it out of you. But be careful that you're not allowing someone, you say, I'm not thriving, Pastor John. Well, maybe someone's perverting your purpose. Maybe there's someone like Jesus you need to say, you know what? I need to get you out of my life. I love you. You're redeemable. I won't give up on you. But for right now, I can't have you in this room because God's about to do a work He's about to perform a resurrection in your life. So here's what I want to say. You have a big battle to face, right? You have a big fight. Don't fight big battles with small people. And I know you think I'm going to say something about Chachi right now. I'm not going to say anything about Chachi. Okay? You're ready for your weekly joke about Chachi. It's not about that. It's not about physical stature. It's about big people, man, with big faith. What, did, what does the Bible say, Romans 10, 17? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. Well, guess what? The word of God comes through the mouth of his people. Yes, it comes from these pages, and you need to be reading it. We all do. But it also comes through people at work, right? There's someone at the power plant, right, who, who needs to know Jesus, Tori, and, and, and you're on assignment. You have a purpose, and it's not just to get a paycheck. It's to be a witness at that power plant to whomever you're around and to speak the words of life in a very dark and dying world. That's why Jesus said in Mark 4, 24, he said, pay close attention to what you hear. And then in Luke 8, 18, he said, pay attention to how you hear. Very important. Who's around you? Because they will pervert or they will promote your purpose. So I'm so thankful. You too. Because when we started this thing, there were two people. Like there were like the first two people that saw purpose. Right? They saw purpose in this church. And, and you could ask him afterwards, how many people came to you and said, Yeah, John's really out of his mind. He's really a whack job, and he's this and he's that. Uh, what 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 sustained you? Purpose. They trusted the purpose. Friends, don't doubt in the dark. God has shown you in the light. We may, we may be going into some dark days. 
that, oh, who cares? God's with us. If, we, if he takes us through that to grow us, bring it on. Bring it, because he loves us. He doesn't abandon the people. You think he's going to abandon us when he left heaven all that way? That's a long trip, y'all. All the way to come dwell with his people, but yet somehow now he's just going to abandon us? No. Not when we are on our knees. Not when we're crying out and petitioning the Most High God who loves us. He will be here for us. So don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. You trust that there is purpose in the middle. As we close, I just want to remind you, whatever we walk through, number one, we're doing it together. We are a family, and families fight for each other. And, and I'm here for you. And we're going to get through this together, and we are going to come out on the other side. We're going to be high-fiving. It may be challenging, but we're going to come through high-fiving because God is going to do a work that we will talk about, I believe, I believe, my opinion, I believe for the rest of our lives. I believe this is going to be a huge year for not only us, not only our church, but for our nation. I, I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. So let's have posture. When you're in the middle, have posture of praise in the middle. Have persistent faith in the middle have trust. Trust that there is purpose in the middle, in the midst of our problem. Friends, close by saying this. This is what we're designed for. This is what the church was, it wasn't made, we weren't made to, you know, die old, fat, and irrelevant. Like, we were, we were meant to live in the midst of all this chaos. Everyone else is running for the hills. Oh my God, what are we going to do? And we say, I know exactly what we're going to do. This is why we exist, to stand firm and to be a light so that when all hell's breaking loose, people say, well, well, what's different about Brian? What's different about Brutus? What's different about Steve? What's different about us? He's different. And so they, they, they look, when all this is crumbling, they look and they say, there's something concrete there's that God that you serve. He must be real because I know you believe it. I can see it in your eyes. I can see it in your posture. I can see it in your faith. I can see it in your persist, per persistence. I can see it all over you. It emanates from every pore of your existence. I know that the God you serve, even though I don't know him, I know he must be real because you know he's real. W would you commit to be in that light this week? Whatever happens this week. Let's be a light. Let's not live in fear. Let's live in faith, trusting that God is in control and has a perfect plan. All we have to do is say yes and trust and be obedient in that. Amen? Let's, let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Before we go today, I just want to make sure you know Jesus. The worst thing you could do is leave today not knowing Jesus. If you're watching online, the worst thing you could do is shut your phone off or shut your computer off and not know Jesus. We need Jesus in our life. If you don't know him, you can make him Lord by simply praying this prayer. Just say, Jesus, I love you, and I need you in my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and you rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven. You were victorious, and because you were victorious, I am victorious. Help me today step into that victory as I make you, Jesus, my Savior from this moment on. I give you my life, and I ask you, to use me for greatness in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate new, new life. Come on.
That's new life. That's life transformation. Whoever made that decision, if you made that decision, would you do me a favor? Stop at the little connect table we have. We have a free gift for you. If you made that decision online and they haven't shut us off yet, then just put in the chat that I made that decision and uh, we want to journey with you if, if you need prayer. And I know, listen, I know a lot of people need prayer. We have our pastors, our, our, our elders, our prayer team are here. We want to pray with you. Don't leave if you have a prayer request. If you have a need, come receive prayer. We're, we're uh, better when we do life together. That's one thing we have learned for sure. Listen, for the rest of you, it's time to go, but it's time to live. Walk out those doors and remember, you are meant to be a light. You are meant to, to thrive. You are meant to live in this dark world. So go out and you live this week with faith and with a smile on your face. Amen? God bless you guys. Have a great week.